0: Well, hey, friends, welcome to the third installment in the three-part series, Women Who Created Their Future. My guest today has been featured on ABC, NBC, the BBC, and the Wall Street Journal, just to name a few. She's an international bestseller, host of Genuinely You TV show, Gina Gardiner has pretty much seen it all, done it all, and overcome it all. This is a fascinating interview of recreating your life after a tragedy. So stay with me. You're going to love this. You're listening to Living a Limitless Life podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Hughes. On this show, we cover mastering your mindset, growing your faith, and becoming the leader you want to be. Every week, I bring you candid conversations featuring world-class thought leaders, change makers, and hope dealers, as well as strategies and trainings to help you get where you want to go in life. I'm really glad you're here. So come on, let's do this. Dale Carnegie of Orange County is proud to sponsor Living a Limitless Life Dale Carnegie is a global training company focused on leadership, presentation, team engagement, customer service, and sales. We help people take command of their work in order to change their lives. Well, Gina, you have an amazing story. So let's just start right away with the day that completely changed your life. It
1: was Five past two on the nineteenth of February, um, in nineteen eighty two, I was sitting on a black run in St Anton skiing. Um, for those of you that are familiar with skiing, um, we'd taken a wrong turning. i'd um, um, I was skiing with some friends and they had said we'd found a great new run, come along. They took the wrong turn and we ended up on the Schindelgratz which is the most difficult black run in St Anton. Now I was familiar with skiing and I was a, a competent skier um, but the the ski field was full of six-foot moguls and moguls are where the snow has been carved by the weather um, and so I'd done black runs before uh, but on this occasion I skied about a third of the way down lost my ski, took me about 20 minutes to retrieve it and then ski to where the rest of the party were each sitting on a mogul, rather like an elf sitting on a a mushroom. So I stopped and I took my skis off. It was a very, very hot day. And the top of the mogul gave way. And I fell about 150, 200 feet. There was nowhere to land. Mm. Um, And when I, I knocked myself out, which is probably just as well, when I finally came to and they skied down, um, I was insistent that I wouldn't have the blood wagon um, and managed to get to the uh, hotel. In Between the first fall and the second fall, I'd actually done a lot of the black runs, so there wasn't much more to ski. Um, Travelled home the next day, um, was taken straight to um the casualty department at the local hospital and they said that I'd got concussion and I'd tweaked a nerve in my neck. Now I'd only recently been appointed to be the deputy principal of a large, um, I think it's junior high in terms of of, uh, America Um, and I was back at school a few weeks later um, and well a few days later and then a few weeks later I was skiing, I was the deputy leader of the Borough Ski Party And we went off to Morgia, and I'd been told I could go, although I was still having a few problems. But as the week went on, I became more and more like Quasimodo. And on the last night, I said to my colleagues, I'm going to have to go and lie down. And I suddenly found that I was paralysed on one side. Hmm. I didn't want to frighten the children by shouting, so I had to wait for somebody to come. And that was really challenging. very scary. And um, when they came all hell broke loose and I was carted off to the local hospital and then transferred to Geneva um, Hospital. Um, and they, uh, they said that I had um, bruised my spinal cord um, by skiing uh, on that occasion. And although I regained the mobility in my, um, in my uh, the side that had become paralyzed, Life was never the same again. And for a number of years, they would do investigations to find why my mobility was um, reducing. Um, And they couldn't really find out what was going on. Now I managed to uh, get back to school in the May and we finished school for the summer holidays in the July. And I thought, an opportunity to rest, I'll get myself sorted. Two weeks in, I got a phone call very, very early one morning to say that the principal had suddenly died. Mm. And I became the acting head, and then I became the head teacher, uh, permanent head teacher for months month. And I was absolutely determined that, that, um, that the school was going to do well. I w- was passionate about the children and the staff having a really great learning experience. Over the next few years, my mobility deteriorated. I started using a wheelchair around school in 1987. Um, And by 1989, I decided to keep well away from doctors because every time I went near them, things dropped off and fell apart. Oh, no. Uh, But in 1996, I sneezed um, and something went in my back. Um, And to cut a long story short, um, I was taken into hospital and found that I'd ruptured a disc in my back. Um, I had it removed and um, I had failed back surgery syndrome. It was a very good stalk, Um, I could stand on one foot, but if I put my foot down to the floor, um, the other foot, I fainted. Um, Took me 18 months to learn to walk to the bottom of my very small garden. Mm. And three months later, um, I was sick and I ruptured another disc. Oh and I had back surgery again um, and then became completely wheelchair-bound until 2004. Um, but I'll talk about that in a moment. Now, the gift of my disability was I couldn't physically get into most of my classrooms. I was determined that the school would succeed and so i had to come up with a, a very different way of developing personal empowerment and leadership so it's been quite a journey but uh, it, it, to say to be- the
0: least it's been a journey you know i want to i want to stop you there because before we started recording we talked about why is it that some people have a terrible tragedy and they continue on to create beautiful lives and inspire and lead and why do some people say, this is my lot in life, here I sit, here I'll sit until I die. They just shut down. Have you figured out what it is inside the, the human heart or the, the mind, the soul, what it is that makes somebody continue on?
1: I think there's a huge difference between people who see themselves as a victim to circumstance. Why me? Why am I so unlucky? Why has mm-hmm. it happened to me? And I think that if you are in that mindset where your focus is on what you can't do, mm-hmm. then it's very easy to get stuck. My view was that, that that was a place that was too awful to contemplate. That actually, my belief in, I suppose that it's brought up in, in that way, that you know, if something unpleasant is going on, there are still things you can be grateful for. the small things in life. Even on the bleakest day, there are things that you can notice, whether it's a beautiful plant or a cloud or somebody's made you a cup of coffee. And if you focus on what you can do, and that's what I meant in a sense when I could stay at home and watch TV. Right. And daytime TV doesn't do it for me. (laughs) Or I could focus on doing what I could to help other people. And I think that when you focus out and you look to how you can help others, not only does it help others, but it's a huge benefit to you, particularly if you're going through a hard time. That's not to say it's an, it is important. Self-care is vital. And it's something that I've learned along the way. I wish I'd known that you know how important that was earlier. But I do think that when you focus on what you can do and you focus on how can I make a difference to somebody else, even if it's just smiling or taking an interest or listening, mm-hmm. then you immediately feel that you have a purpose, that there is a sense of that you have a value and that you are taking control. You are choosing rather than being a victim to how life is, is being. You mm-hmm. stop a victim and you start to be the hero if you like in your own life story and if you're going to write your life story you might as well write yourself a good part mightn't you
0: oh I love that I love that was there ever a time maybe laying there at night alone in bed that you just stared at the ceiling and thought can I do this
1: there have been dark days I mean this is not the, the Mary Poppins, you know, I'm not Mary Poppins, so you know, it, it's not a spoonful of sugar. For me, there were dark days and those were the days when um, I was stuck at home. Um, but for me, the work has been great pain control, physical pain and emotional pain mm. control. That you know, when things have been very dark, then for me the focus has been on, okay, you're having a bad day, but you know tomorrow the sun is gonna come up and even if it's cloudy, the sun will be there. And if you look for the opportunities, there are ways that you can live your life and live it well. Um, And I think that's why the focus on other people and how to help them, has been so important to me if you've got a strong sense of why a strong sense of purpose that can help you through the bleakest of days doesn't mean they don't happen but you don't stay there as long and you make the choice of i choose the quality of my life mm-hmm. and i don't choose to stay stuck down there for mm-hmm. long i think it's important to acknowledge the negative Mm-hmm. Um, and to recognise, yeah, OK, you've got good reason to feel fed up. Mm-hmm. But it's a choice. If you stay there, who's going to lose out? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be people or is it going to be you? And so for me, it's always been when people say, how are you? I say, do you know what? I'm good, thank you very much. Body might not be behaving, but I'm great. And the thing with that is that actually... That becomes your reality. It starts off being, you know, the old fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, life gets easier, particularly if you then focus on what to be grateful for.
0: Mm. It's such a choice, isn't it? To choose to be grateful. It is.
1: Everything in life is our choice. Mm -hmm. We choose what we say, what we do or, or not. And even not choosing actively is still a choice. And for me, the interesting thing is working with so many people is when people don't make an active choice and they just let life happen to them, that often the consequences are more more far reaching.
0: Mm, That's so true. So you've done so many different things in your life. And I love that you are very purpose driven. I, I believe I am purpose driven. Do you think that there's different purposes for different seasons in your life?
1: I think they can look different. But it's my belief that if I look at all of the, the different stages in my life and I look at what I'm doing now... There have been times when they would have seen as as to be very separate and very different, but actually they've come together now. And I think all of those different facets have come together in terms of what my mission, which is to positively impact on a million people in the next five years. And I think of all of the skills that I've learned and the experiences I've had have brought me to this place where I'm now equipped and experienced enough to do that. Often you don't connect the dots at the time. It's later on when you look back and you think, "Uh Mm.
0: why? Oh, I like that. So, what would you say if you were sitting with maybe a a 25, 30 year old client that says, I just don't know what my purpose is? How would you guide your client into finding their purpose?
1: I think people who know their purpose. From a very early age you're very lucky um, and it's very easy sometimes you know for people I've met who think that they've got their sense of purpose but it's actually only a stepping stone mm. and the first thing that I would say to somebody who said I don't know what my purpose is I would say to them what are the things that you do that make your heart sing
0: mm-hmm.
1: what are the things that when you do it you feel lighter What are your core values? That's a really good way of looking at, um, you know, the underpinning um, structure of who you are. You know, if you had to identify all of your core values and then prioritise those into your top 10, and then look at how you're currently living your life and see how many of those values are being absolutely satisfied. And then another thing I would ask them to do is if you... Imagine yourself at 732. I don't want to live anybody's life, so we're going to (laughs) I love it. And if you think of that wise person looking back, what are the legacies that you want to leave? What are the things that you would like to be remembered for? And I don't think it's important to necessarily know the activities, but to know... You know, what sort of person do you want to be known for? And what are the things that really float your boat that leave you feeling, oh, that was good. I, I I'm I really got a great deal out of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And for me,
1: for purpose at some level somewhere will be about service to others. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, looking after yourself is really important, but then that enables you to help more people because you are well resourced and so for me purpose would always be about how do I use my experience my talents my um my skills how can I use that to affect a positive difference on other people on animals on the environment on the world in general
0: Mm, I love it you know one of the funny things about recording a podcast is of course the audience will be listening and can't see us, but you and I can see each other. And as you speak, I see that you just completely light up. You are truly full of joy and not lamenting over the hand that has been dealt with you. You are so purpose-driven. It's, I- just, it's a beautiful thing to see.
1: I would truly like to think that I would have developed the innovative leadership um, approach that I did if I'd been able-bodied. I'm actually honest enough to know that I would have, particularly at that time, I would have been too interfering. Mm. I would have got in the way. And I think one of the things that I've learned is in order for people to grow, mm-hmm. you've got to give them space. You've got mm. to make Safe for them to make mistakes because, Mm -hmm. as we were talking about before this recording started, it's in the difficult moments that we truly learn. Mm -hmm. When everything's jogging along and everything's fine, that's great and it's very comfortable. But that's not where the moments of great growth and development come from, they come from the challenges and they can be little and one would like to think that everybody's going to have little mouth size you know bite sized piece challenges but sadly that's not quite like how life often works but it's how you deal it's not the challenge that defines us it's what we do with it that makes the difference and i look back to that young self and i was the youngest uh, was the, the youngest head in in the district of the biggest uh, school I didn't know what I didn't know, but the Mm -hmm. sense that what I wanted for the youngsters in my care and the teachers was the very best learning experience that I could help them create, I think I got out of the way. I put the structure in place, I had the vision and the structure, and I was able to get their trust and ownership to it. That wasn't easy. I was appointed to be the catalyst for change, and I was the youngest bar two on the staff when I was appointed. And there was a fair bit of resentment from the acting deputy, who was told not to apply because they wanted to appoint a man. And mm. I, so I was, I was persona non gratis when I first arrived. But ultimately, because that was my core purpose, and because people could see I did that with integrity, compassion and care, did it with true heart, Mm -hmm. that won people over. And even when things got clunky, we were able to, to create goodwill that would see us through those clunky times because people knew I truly cared.
0: You know, I think that when we look at leadership worldwide today, there is this lack of integrity, compassion, and care for those that are around us and for developing others, there seems to be this um, almost a, a pride and an arrogance in leadership. And that's one of the reasons why I like to talk a lot about leadership development on my show is because nobody is developed through watching people be arrogant and lead with a heavy hand.
1: I am so worried about the quality of leadership. You know in the UK, 700 billion pounds a year are lost through absenteeism because of stress. Mm. And they think double that amount because of presenteeism, where people are in work but underachieving because of stress. And that's without the personal cost, the family cost, the family breakup because people are so stressed. Because work-life balance has gone through out the window, the societal cost, um, and that's why I've set up um, the Enlightened Leadership Program, which is very different to most leadership programs because it has two strands and it's it's not for the faint-hearted. It's the Iron Man or Woman Leadership Program because it means that people are going to work on them. It's mm-hmm. ten minutes long. It's supported, but it works on you have to lead yourself first before Mm -hmm. you can lead other people. And Mm -hmm. it's all about developing leadership that comes from a place of absolute integrity, where people walk their talk and have the self-confidence to be able to give people the space to grow without the need to micromanage. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You'll have enough, put enough support in place to help other people grow.
0: Oh, I I couldn't agree with you more. I know so many people that get stuck in that negative self-talk. And then they wonder why they are not successful in their relationships, whether it's their personal or professional relationships. So unpack a little bit about that.
1: Let me give you an example in in personal uh, relationship coaching, because I think it defines really clearly what I'm talking about. Okay. In every relationship, okay, there are, if there's a relationship we're talking about with two people, there are actually three relationships going on. The relationship, we were talking about you and I, there's the relationship that you have with you, there's the relationship I have with me, and the relationship we have together. Mm-hmm. Now, we each also have three languages. There's the language that you use, the language I use, and then there's the collective language. hmm Let me give you an example from a couple I was working with. And we were doing some core value work. And at top of their core values was the word love. Now, that's where most people leave it. But I said to them, what behaviours do you need to experience from your partner in order to know that they love you? And the woman said, I want him to buy me flowers. He was incandescent with rage. What do you mean? I buy you flowers every Friday. She said, No, you don't. You put flowers into the shopping trolley. He stopped and he was very thoughtful for a minute and then said, Do you know what? You're right. I give it no more thought than I give a, pair, a, a tin of beans or a packet of cornflakes. It's just mm. completely mindless. And I talk a lot about mindful thinking. Mm. Then I asked the question of her. He said, I know when I don't feel loved and I don't feel loved when I knock on the door because I've forgotten my key, which apparently he did quite often. And you come and you open the door and you turn your back on me to go down the hall. I feel rejected. And she said, Mm. but you can't get past in our hallway. It's so narrow. I get out of your way and I go into the kitchen and then I turn around and give you a hug. He said, yeah, but in that moment, I already feel rejected. Now,
0: that's powerful. Now,
1: now that knowledge is really powerful. But because people don't unpick the language, that all came from one word, love. Mm -hmm. But actually, unpicking the behaviors can really help you. If you're talking about... In a leadership situation, people talk about that's not good enough, or I want excellence. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what excellence looks like in the context of your organization or your team or this project, how do you know if you're delivering it? Right. you somebody says it's not good enough. Most people I think don't deliberately go out of their way to do something that's not good enough. They don't know then how to make it good enough. So you need to be explicit about, this is what I expect. This is what great looks like. And then Mm -hmm. having professional dialogue about what makes good, great, Mm -hmm. what makes great, fabulous. And then if you've got a shared understanding of that, then organisations, teams, individuals fly. But part of unpicking those things with people I think one of the problems is that leadership courses, generally, they're quick fix. They mm-hmm. go for a day or a couple of days or even you know a week. It doesn't facilitate lasting change. It's about your every how you turn up every single day and giving people a sense that of ownership for mm-hmm. their own. Parents. And I, as you can tell, I'm absolutely passionate about it because I know it makes such a lot of difference. Well. I have no
0: doubt that you are living your purpose and the goal that you've set for yourself to impact 1 million people over the next five years. I have no doubt that you will. It's been such a joy and and pleasure having you on the show, Gina. You are just such a wealth of information. I'll have everything linked below in the show notes where they can find you, your books, your courses, all of the amazing resources that you have to offer and of course, you are welcome to come back anytime.
1: Thank you very much. I'd love to. Anytime you're me, I'm very pleased to join you. We'll,
0: we'll try not to do it late at night so that you can actually go to bed. It's
1: fine. <laughs> it's fine. There's no interruptions. It's, it's absolutely fine. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Gina. And once again, that's Gina Gardiner. And everything is linked below for you in the show notes. Well, hey friends, once again, thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I wish you every good thing.